Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. We're going to jump back into our message series. We are in Jonah chapter 4, deep into the Old Testament in those little, little books. We call them minor prophets. And Jonah is uh, right after Amos and Obadiah and uh, before Micah and Nahum. We we got through chapters 1, 2, and 3, learning that Jonah, this prophet from the northern kingdom of Israel, received a message from God. Go to the great city of Nineveh, the capital of the, of the empire of Assyria of the day. And Jonah promptly ran the other direction. Jumped on a boat, tried to sail as far away as he could possibly get. He did not want to deliver this message to Nineveh because they were wicked people. And he, we find out today, he didn't want to hear them, want them to hear about God's grace and God's mercy. He wanted them to suffer the judgment coming to them. Then God got a hold of Jonah. There was a great storm. He was thrown off the ship. He was swallowed by a fish and while in the fish, he had some pretty intense time with God. And as he's, uh, as he's, you know, about to die, he's crying out to God and he's declaring his faith. He's saying, I will yet uh, worship the Lord. We talked about what are the, what are your I will statements and the power of an I will statement. And then um, finally, Jonah responded. He was obedient. We learned last week. He he heard God say again, his second chance, go to Nineveh. And so he actually went, he preached and the people repented. They They responded to his message. And so we pick it up in chapter four today. There's a little comment I want to make before we get into this, because sometimes it's hard to understand this whole business of judgment and repentance and, you know, what's my responsibility and what's, you know, what's someone else's responsibility. Here's, here's a, a kind of a, a, kind of a mind boggling thing that God judges nations. God holds whole nations accountable. He's going to judge the, the city of Nineveh, the, the nation of Assyria, but he holds individuals responsible. So uh, uh, the biblical value and the biblical understanding is, is that we have personal individual responsibility to, in this case, to change a nation, to change a society, to, to make a difference. There's a personal responsibility for that. Uh, even resisting evil in a nation, you as individuals can do that. Uh, a non-biblical view Denies personal responsibility and says someone ought to do something about that. The, the agency should change. The institution should make a difference. The government should do something about this problem and kind of removing responsibility. Some, sometimes you hear these, uh, you know, you hear these great celebrities. They make some kind of bold, you know, environmental claim and then, but you know, they're flying around in, you know, the personal jets and you think, wait, what? There's a disconnect there. Because they're not, that sense of personal responsibility hasn't yet gotten a hold, but we have the sense, well, the corporate thing should happen. And so this is a, a biblical concept. So for example, a person might say, well, racism is a systemic problem in society and it needs fixing. But the Christian would say, racism is, an, is a sin of ethnic partiality and I need to repent where I've been a part of that. 
Do you understand the difference? So one says, someone ought to do something. And the other, the, the Christian perspective is, I need to examine my own heart. Where am I complicit in this? What, what, you know, how, how have I participated in this? So we take personal responsibility for those things. And you're not personally responsible for everything. And there is a time and a place, even for repenting on behalf of the nation, but it's a personal act on behalf of the nation, rather than saying, someone ought to do something about this. And so, as we do that, we intercede for the nation. So, in Nineveh, we see that God's corporate justice demanded individual response. And the Ninevites, honestly, were liable for their nation's sin, because, ultimately, every person is accountable to God. That's why you can only be saved by your own faith in Christ. You can't be saved by someone else's faith or someone else's, you know, decision to bring you to church or anything else. It's your decision, personal, individual responsibility. It's a high biblical value. And everyone, Romans chapter 1 says that no one has an excuse. We are without excuse because God's character and God's intent for us is made known in creation. All right, so that was just that, like, I just want to kind of set the stage a little bit before we read Jonah chapter 4. Are you ready? Jonah chapter 4 begins this way. Let me finish. Actually, I'll read verse 10 from chapter 3. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Chapter 4. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. And the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city, which is a remarkable thing because he already knows nothing's going to happen. But just in case, right? Verse six, and the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Verse seven, but God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and he wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. And then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted. Even angry enough to die. Well, then the Lord said, I, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for this great city? Thank the Lord for his word this morning. What a guy, this Jonah. He's just like, like the epic model. Of a spiritual, you know, leader. Just somebody you want to follow, right? No. No. But remember, Jonah would have been the one to report this message. So he would have been the one to realize, 
Ah, oh, I got to write all this down. I got to tell what really happened. So eventually he comes around. All right. I want you to think about your workplace, maybe your volunteer work, your hobby, something that you do. And, and the, the satisfaction you get from completing a task well. You teachers, think about that classroom setting. You're in- introducing a new concept. And that moment when you start seeing light bulbs come on around the room, super satisfying, right? you just like, okay, it worked. I got it. Or if you like working on your car and you swap out the brakes and you get it done and there's no... You know, there's no bent caliper pins. There's no seized bolts. Everything works fine. You, you know, and you're like, it's not pride. It's just satisfaction and like, oh, it worked. I got it done. That was a satisfying, successful uh, task that I did. Well, think about Jonah in this case, in that same setting. He's a preacher and he has just preached his most successful sermon ever. He preached and 120,000 people responded. And he's mad. He's at the peak. He's at the pinnacle of his career. He's the most successful he's ever going to be. And he's unhappy about it. What's going on? It makes no sense to us at all unless we come to find out that Jonah didn't want to be successful this time. He wanted to fail at his job. His his priorities, or we could say his values, were at odds with his message. His sermon was not in sync, uh, you know, with his vision for what should happen. There was a, there was a breakdown there. And, and we would say this, quite simply, he was out of control. He had no control over the situation. And he especially could not control the Ninevite response to his sermon. And respond they did, and he did not like it. He did not like it. This whole series, we've been, we've, we've called this out of control, you know, re- Trusting God in crisis and all those feelings of being out of control. And we've had so many out of control moments in the last 15, 16 months. It's, it's been crazy and we're still trying to find our, our equilibrium after all of this. And, and when you have that sense of, I cannot control what's going on. There's decisions I, I don't have enough information to make the decision I need to make. I, 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 you know, there's people doing things that I, I, I can't re, you know, manage. What do I do when I feel out of control? How do I trust God? And I, I, there's three little ways in this chapter that I want to give you. If you're taking notes today, you can write them down. I'll give them to you one at a time, but I'll tell you right now what they are. Three things. We look for God's heart. We listen for God's questions. And we watch for misplaced priorities. So let's start there. We watch for misplaced priorities. Jonah went into Nineveh. With this priority or this value of announcing judgment on the enemies of Israel. We talked about this last week. He preached judgment, but they heard mercy. And with this high sense of national, you know, pride, uh, knowing that Israel really is God's chosen people, Jonah believed that Assyria, the empire of Assyria, as Israel's enemy, deserved God's judgment. He was, he was sure of it. And so when God relented, chapter 3, verse 10, Jonah set up camp to watch. He goes to the east side of the city and he's watching for what's going to happen just in case, right? He's still got his wish of Ninevite annihilation. And as that leafy shade plant grew and then died, right? Jonah's comfort was a greater priority than people's salvation. And, and, and his priorities are all all wrong. 
We're all messed up. They're all kittywampus, we like to say. Right? The out-of-control or the powerless feeling we sometimes get happens simply because our own priorities are not being met. The things that I want, I'm not getting. Right? And so for Jonah, what were his priorities? National superiority, destruction of his enemies, personal comfort. I mean, that's what he was, that's what he was in this for. And, and your value, your priority might be, you know, whatever it is to you. It might be, a, you know, to see that jump in your financial portfolio, thanks to our MB Foundation guys, right? Or, or it might be kind of winning over a health diagnosis, or it might be getting that new job, or it might be, you know, getting that difficult renter out of your, out of your rental property, or it might be getting your ex to pay child support that they were supposed to be paying and aren't taken care of. Maybe it's getting your parent or getting your child to apologize to you for something they did or didn't do. Maybe it's just personal comfort. Like just that feeling like, I don't want to do anything but sit on the couch every evening. That's what I, that's all I want to do. Or maybe it's, maybe it's, it's the priority of just relentless activity. I just can't, I can't not be busy all the time. I gotta be doing something all the time. Whatever it is, there's a priority. It can be really good stuff. You just, you want to see your kids succeed. You want to see them flourish. You, you, you want to get some recognition for your expertise. A whole long list of things we could come up with that are values to us, that are priorities to us. But here's the problem. Whatever I, whatever I prioritize above my relationship with God, right, is idolatry. I'm now worshiping something above God. So it means that the worship and the honor that God deserves are actually going somewhere else. Someplace else to someone else. And idolatry was always the sin that led to Israel's collapse, Israel's downfall. And while those, you know, the things they worship were physical idols and, and physical sacrifices, some of them heinous, including even sacrificing their own children, right, physically, we are surrounded by symbolic idols all the time. Money, family, kids, uh, jobs, recreation, uh, whatever. It can be any number of things that, like, I, I have to have that or else, like Jonah says, I would rather die. I have to have my vacation time or I would rather die. I have to have my 401k be this big or I'd rather die. Whatever it is, it's, you know, we may not say it in quite those extreme terms, but we put these high values on things. And a misplaced priority is always going to be an idol or has the potential always to become an idol. You know, a belief or a behavior that I've set up in front of God. And you know what? God knocks idols down eventually. But when he does it against our will, it's very painful. It creates wreckage in our lives. It's, it's, it's destructive. And if you're feeling out of control today, I would, I would challenge you this. Start by watching your priorities. What am I really placing high on my value list? Am I, am I making an idol, right? Am I valuing anything ab- above my worship and obedience to God? So that's the first thing. Watch for misplaced priorities. Uh, the next way we resolve that out of control feeling is to listen for God's questions. This is a good one. Listen for God's questions. Three times in this chapter, Jonah, uh, here's a question from God. God asks him first, verse four, is it right for you to be angry about this? And of course, Jonah feels completely justified 
in his anger. Verse 9, God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Verse 11, Shouldn't I feel sorry for the city? God is asking Jonah questions. This is a remarkable thing. God does that. If you read through the book of Job, you see, particularly in the end, God just, just, you know, just, just, just hammers Job with question after, just, just, just pelts him with question after question because questions are such an important, um, assessment tool of our own heart. It helps us see what's going on. It causes us to take stock of what, what's happening inside of here. Two of, of, of God's questions to Jonah are really meant to shock Jonah back to reality. Having him do that self-examination. Jonah doesn't get it, right? Are you, why, you know, is it right for you to be so angry? Twice God asked him. He goes, yes, yes, I'm angry enough to die. In fact, three times in the book, Jonah says, I would rather die. I just want to die. I, I just want to be dead. Crazy. Because Jonah's not depressed. Listen, Jonah's not struggling with depression. He's just really angry. He's enraged. And, and his plans are not working out. He's not getting his own way. He's not able to get God to cooperate with his plans. He is completely out of control in this situation. And he's angry about it. You know, that's so often, oh man, just anger. Like how easy it is when you lose control. Think about road rage. Someone does something that you have no control over. That affects you in a negative way. What's right? I know none of you would ever express frustration at another driver. I get it. Some of us don't put Christian bumper stickers on our car because we're still working on that part of our relationship with God and the road. When we're spiraling out of control in our lives, right? God is going to ask you some stabilizing questions. But you're going to have to quiet your heart and your mind to hear those questions. But listen, I, I, I promise you, if you're feeling out of control, God's asking you some questions right now. What are they? Is it about anger? I mean, is it, is it, are you right to be angry about that coworker who got the attention that you thought you deserved? Or are you right to be angry that you can't get your wife or husband to agree to that purchase that's just so important to you, right? Or, or maybe it's something different. Maybe it's God asking, why won't you forgive your dad? Or maybe he's asking, why are you worrying about money? Or why won't you trust me with your kids? God asks us questions that, that will stabilize that out of control feeling like, whoa, okay, really recalibrates us. And if it is anger, you know, as in God saying to Jonah, why are you angry about this? Sometimes the answer is yes. Like, is it right for you to be angry? Sometimes the answer is yes. It is right for you to be angry about certain things. Some of us need to get a little fire under our seats about, you know, injustice or sanctity of life issues or, or, or something that's just obviously blatantly wrong and we're like ah, eh, well whatever no some of us ought to have that indignation but what we're talking about here is this anger that's a response to a loss of control and i can tell you in my life my anger i mean i sometimes those things i'm angry and i don't know why sometimes it's because i'm hungry and then we call it hangry right but um my staff has to deal with that sometimes 
But usually my anger is from the same issues that Jonah had. It's not getting my way where justice isn't happening the way I want it to be done. In other words, I'm not trusting God at a crucial moment. So, listen for God's questions. They're important. And then that third key for resolving that feeling of being out of control is this. We look for God's heart. Look for God's heart. I really, I love this one. Look, we're all blessed with intellect and emotion, mind and heart, right? So intellectually, we make decisions, we, we make choices, we have beliefs, but emotionally, we act. So there's, I know something here, but I act from here. The other week, I think it was last week or week before, someone had brought a box of donuts to the office. They were sitting on a the table. There's two donuts left in the box. And I walked by those donuts and my mind said, don't do it. But my heart said, oh, someone brought donuts. Someone loves us. I can't reject that act of love. That would be wrong. So I ate the donut. Just one. I didn't even enjoy it that much, to be honest. Right? We want our our heart and mind to be in unison, but our heart so often reveals what truly matters. Some of you used to listen to country music, and uh, before you, anyway, occasionally I listen to country music. There was an old Dirk Bentley song, right? I know what I was feeling, but what was I thinking, right? Why do I do those dumb things? Well, it's because we act on our emotions. And so when you feel like you have no control in what's happening, that's a good time to look at God's heart, to see what really matters to God, what's of value to him, what's important to God. In Jonah chapter 4, it's pretty obvious what matters to God. It's people. People matter to God. Verse 11, God says, Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Right? The, the, the ESV English Standard Version puts it this way. Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? God cares deeply about creation, people and even animals. God actually cares about that. What did Jonah care about? Jonah cared about vengeance on his enemies, comfort from a shade plant. Jonah was violently angry about losing shade from a plant that he had nothing to do with while sitting where he should not have been. He had no business being there and he's mad that the the plant's gone, that he didn't even grow it. It's remarkable. His heart was for destruction. His heart was for self-comfort and God's heart was breaking for a lost people. And what I care about needs to match what God cares about. Listen, think about this. What if Jonah had looked at the repentance of that people and said, wow, this is incredible. What if I were to stay here? What if I just spent a year here and I'm just going to follow up with some teaching, some discipling. I'm going to help these people respond. I'm going to teach them God's law. I'm going to teach them the Ten Commandments. I'm going to teach them how to worship God properly. That could have changed the entire trajectory of the future. But instead, he's angry at their response. 
he pulls out, he continues to cast judgment on them. It, it is an amazing thing to think about how different that long-term outcome could have been if Jonah had taken hold of God's heart for those people. I mean, think about that person in your life, coworker, neighbor. What if that person responded to Christ and said, you know what? I've been thinking, I've got to get my life right. And they come to you and say, you're a, you're a church person. Like, how do you do this? Could you help them? Could you say, why don't you come with me to church? Why don't you come to my Bible study group? Why not? Let me help you grow. You could change entire family trees. And when you're in that place of anxious wondering, when you're in confusion or despair, I want you to stop and look for God's heart. What's important to him? What are you seeing that God's doing around you? How does it reveal his passion for people? What storms might God be stirring up to get someone's attention? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. What, what judgment is God withholding out of his mercy? Can you have God's heart for the people around you? I'm going to invite the worship team to join me back on the platform here as we have one kind of song of, of commitment. Listen, God's heart is for people. God's heart is clearly for people. And we see that through this book. It begins with God saying, Jonah, I've got an assignment for you. There's a people that I care about that need to hear the message. It started as a message of warning. Judgment is coming. Destruction is coming. God delayed that message. God didn't say it's starting in 40 days right now, whether you get there or not, Jonah. It was, it's going to be 40 days from the moment you get there. Jonah goes in the wrong direction. I'm withholding judgment because I need Jonah to go deliver the message. Jonah finally gets there. Okay, now the clock starts. People are like, whoa, we do not want to be destroyed by God. They humble themselves. They repent. Showing us that God's heart is for people, for his creation. So listen, we all go through those seasons where we just feel totally out of control. Don't know how to make a decision. Don't know how to process what's going on around us. I can tell you, I, I mean, I just speak from my own heart experience on this, all of this. But three things. Watch for misplaced priorities. Listen for those questions that God's asking. And then look for his heart all around you. God, we want to thank you so much for your great, great love for us. And I thank you for all these lessons from this obscure little prophet named Jonah. And God, how he kind of learned the hard way. And God, we don't want to miss those opportunities. We, we, we don't want to have to make all the same mistakes. And God, I pray that as we head into another week, that you'd open our eyes to see what, what's going on. Open our eyes to see our own priorities and where we've overemphasized some things or we've, where we've missed something that you'd have for us. Lord, open our eyes to see your heart for the people around us. A family member, a, a neighbor, a coworker, a friend. God, Help us to hear your questions, those probing, challenging, hard-to-hear questions. Lord, let us hear that so that we can respond to you and say, okay, not responding out of selfishness, but responding out of surrender to you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your 
immense, unstoppable love for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.